Hey, Coffee Breakers, it's AC. And Scully. And we are back with you today, live on location at our favorite Mexican restaurant. For uh, Worder Wednesday. Yes. So, if you hear music in the background, it's coming from the Mexican restaurant, but... We we're in our happy place. We are. We're in our favorite place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to eat and be happy and share Worder with you today. And apparently choked to death because I laughed. Yes. Um... All right, Scully, so tell us about this one. So this is part of our Mother May I Murder series we got going on right now. All right. Again, this is from Max. So I hate everything about this case, so we're just going to just start. Um, This case takes place in Mark Mark Center, Ohio. From what I gathered, Mark Center is like a township in Defiance County, Ohio. I love that it's named Defiance County. Nice name. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, outside of that, there was really no other information that I could find. (laughs) That's it. Okay. You're welcome. It's a township in Defiance. I did see that it wasn't very large, though. So it's like a smaller, what what it looks like is like a smaller rural kind of township in this. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. If you want to know more about it, you can look it up. (laughs) On November 11, 2003. 2003, law enforcement received a call from Corey, a 10-year-old, stating that his dad was shot in the head. Officer Vandermark arrived on scene and notes that Corey was home alone. Corey opened the door for his father and leads him to the back of the house where his dad was. The officer goes with him but is not sure what he's about to see. It should be noted that Officer Cliff Vandermark has known Corey since he was really little. Um. And he's known his dad. So it's one of those small towns where you know everybody. He's been familiar. He knows his family. Upon entering the bedroom, he sees his dad, Robert, clearly deceased with a gunshot wound to his head and laying on a twin bed in a lime green and pink room. I note the twin bed and the color as I want to come back to that later, but just for now, keep it in the back of your mind. Because okay. <laughs> I just found that really odd. That is a little odd. So obviously the attention turns to the 10-year-old Corey. He describes Corey as just broken, that he's clearly in shock and disbelief. Um, Officer Cliff remembers Corey telling him to save his dad, that it was his best friend. Oh. Right? Gut punch. Oh. Officer Cliff talks about Robert Brenniger, is I think how I'm going to say it. It's B-R-I-N-E-I-G-E-R. The victim in this case, and how much he just loved Corey. Right. The officer actually is outside sitting on the stoop when Corey comes out and sits on his lap and tries to tell him about what happened. And I know that seems a little bit weird because he's a 10-year-old. Ooh, sorry. Sorry, I'm putting my mic in food, y'all. Because <laughs> um, he's a 10-year-old, but again, he's known this little kid since he was, like, much, much younger. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it just goes down to familiar, like, being and familiar, he's, and he's scared, and... Absolutely heartbroken because yeah. this scene has just taken place. Right. I mean, my kids, like, will be 14 soon, and I could absolutely see him doing the same thing, even at his big stature. Yeah. Just wanting to sit and just somebody hold him. him. Yeah. Yeah. This officer tells you that he actually lost track of himself and that he didn't really get it together until other officers arrived on scene. Like, it it just was too shocking. I knew, yeah. Corey stated that he was handing his dad the gun, 
his finger was on the trigger and the safety was off and his dad had pulled it and it set the gun off. Corey continues to explain to officers that his dad was teaching him about hunting and the gun went off accidentally. In the room beside Robert were, this I found weird too, an orange hunting cap, a brochure talking about gun cleaning, a hunting book along with the shotgun, and it should also be noted that there were some targets under the pillow. <laughs> Hold on. I got questions. Okay. He was laying down. I mean, yes, I know if you get shot, you're, it's going to you're gonna right. fall down. But the way that you described the scene was he was like laying in bed. He is. In, in the documentary, you see him completely flat laying in this bed. So this whole thing just doesn't quite click for me because like I don't know. Over, like not no, like he's over. asleep on his back in the bed. Cover still up on him. This stuff is just like stationed around him. That don't make no sense. That's weird. All right, go ahead. Initial responders are wondering like how this could have happened. To them, what Corey was stating didn't really make sense, just like what you're saying. For one, Robert was laying in bed with earplugs in. Now, Robert worked third shift. Right. So he had the earplugs in to usually help him sleep. Right. But why were they still in if he's talking to his son about gun safety he, and hunting? That No. Corey stated to law enforcement that when the firearm went off, he dropped it. But it was actually found on the other side of the bed, opposite of where the gunshot wound was. So did he throw it? I don't know. I've heard... That's weird. It, it does. Another in, another inconsistency, but these were not really explored very well. The officer that arrived first, Officer Cliff, owns that and states that he was letting his emotions control a lot of his thoughts that day, which I absolutely love that he just flat out says, I just wasn't with it. I wasn't seeing what I should have been seeing. And You're a human being, though. Right, but I love that he actually is like... He owns it. Yes. I like, love that, too, yeah. So here are my questions. I know people that... Um, I know people have different styling options, but pink and green room does not scream to me like an adult room. Not an adult male, especially. So why was Robert necessarily in that room? And also, when you're looking at the documentary, um, it looks as if there's another bed. Like another twin-size bed? Yep, to the left side of him. But it's not in the picture, so it's kind of hard to tell. But that's what it looks like, that maybe it's a children's room, Mm -hmm. and he was sleeping in there for whatever reason maybe he did that because quiet i don't know whatever i found that weird but if the kids were at school you think he would be in in like the master unless his wife was in the master or up or working or whatever i don't know and then my other question was is Corey usually home alone after school like that with his dad sleeping is that like a normal thing that happens why did dad have earplugs in and why is dad talking about hunting with a loaded gun while laying in bed all valid questions. Yes, that no one seems to even remotely try to answer. Um, so, okay, at this time, Judith, Corey's mom, shows up on scene and asks if she could take Corey away from the scene, and they stated yes. Corey states that Judith sits him down, puts her arm around his neck, and tells him to stop. I'm assuming the stop meant crying. <laughs> Don't really know. You can't see my face, but what? Right. So by this time, the neighborhood is hearing 
that all this is some sort of gun accident and immediately that makes them pause. Robert was an experienced hunter and and all about safety, so none of this sounded even remotely accurate to them. Right. Well, I mean, just on first impressions, it doesn't sound remotely accurate to me. I mean, you're laying down talking about gun safety. With earplugs in with a 10-year-old. Yeah, it, it's a little, it's wonky. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Corey real quick. Okay. Right. So Corey is the only child of Robert and Wendy Bell. However, by the time Corey was old enough to have any real memories of his parents, they had divorced. He does have memories of working on cars with his dad or just being with his dad out in the barn while he tinkered on cars. But he states that they were very close. That is until Judith came into their lives. (laughs) Oh, no. He states that when he met Judith, he was about five. She was really nice, and he referred to her as the yellow-haired lady because she has blonde hair. He says the saddest thing at the absolute, like, the saddest thing to me. He states that at that time, he didn't know there was anything other than nice people. And that just broke my heart, if I'm being honest, because that is literally a child innocence. Like, all he knew was people were nice. Yes. He He didn't know there was any mean people and that poor baby. I know. Judith also had a daughter around his same age. So that's why I bring up the room and the two separate beds. I thought maybe that was the children's room. colors. Yep. Because it's like hot pink and like a lime green. Probably. So... That makes sense. It doesn't tell you in the documentary that they got married or not, but um, it kind of implies that they got married and that Robert bought a house for them all because he wanted to provide for his family and do well. Because of this, he had to work all the time. Yeah. And Corey stated that's when he really just didn't get to see his dad much of anything. That every time he saw him, his dad came home from work, he was more stressed and irritable. He was the breadwinner, and Judith looked over... The children. It was just the two. Gotcha. I will tell you, and I've shown some of these to AC, that this documentary shows you several excerpts from home videos that Judith shot that will just honestly make you angry. It makes you angry. It makes me incredibly sad. And it also makes me be like, what have you done to this boy? Right. Now, these are supposed to be depicted as her gathering video evidence of the tantrums that this kid throws but and maybe it's just my experience with children yeah i don't see a tantrum i don't either at all i see a kid who is crying who is in upset who is upset in distress like yeah. you said <clears throat> he's not screaming he is just boohooing mm-hmm. he's not angry no and she asked him several times, do you love Mama Judy? And he's, he, like, sobbing like a little kid. He's like, yes. And that just makes me mad. It does. Because I'm like, why are you asking that? Mm-hmm. Like, are you punishing him because he somehow didn't show you enough love and affection? Like, that's immediately where I go. Exactly. So, I will tell you at this time, Corey didn't really have a whole lot to do with his biological mother. So, Judith was really pushing to adopt him and eventually did. She was very adamant about that process. Um, There is a video that it shows you at this time where she literally just, he's sitting at the kitchen table. I don't know if she's reprimanding him or what, but that's when she goes, is Mama Judy a good mama or a bad mama? And he very sweetly, he couldn't have been more than like seven if that. And he's like, a good mommy. 
And he didn't even look at her, which I also found really odd. Right. Because if you're talking to your child, usually they're looking at you and they're like, there's that love and light. And they're like, a good mommy, not off in the distance. You're a good mommy, like a robot. Yeah, that's, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's disturbing. She started telling Robert that Corey was a bad kid, that he didn't listen and he was destructive all kinds of stuff like that um sorry I got, I got tickled not at that no so we're we're sitting we'll just go ahead and let you know we're sitting in the mexican restaurant and the sweet waiter just keeps coming to check on us and he's like thumbs up through the door and we're like yeah thumbs up we're good yeah and then the door slams yes <laughs> um so this is we talked about the videos she started to record him to show the dad so that when dad got home he could be like she could say look at him he's just a bad kid he doesn't listen he does all this this is what i deal with all day it only ever says it's Corey. i don't know that she ever did it to her own biological child it was just Corey. like ac tells you in the videos you don't see a tantrum like you don't see a kid being destructive you see a child in footed pajamas crying picking up items and then placing them down she asked him in that video what are you doing he says i'm cleaning my room she says why he says because mommy told me to she asked him why and he says he doesn't know he never yells he never breaks anything he does hit his own face a few times but not in like a not I'm even punching a, myself in mm-mm. the face it's more of a i don't know what the right answer is yeah kind of tap right so Corey stated because of all these videos the disconnect between his dad and him obviously got stronger right 11-4-2003, the day after Robert's death is classified, the day after Robert's death, it is classified as an accidental shooting. Officer Cliff actually went to Corey's house to check on him and to talk to him about, like, are you okay, buddy? Like, whatever. What can I do for you? And Judith wouldn't let him. Okay, because that's not suspicious. Immediately, I'm like, why? Right. And another thing he pointed out is that same day, the same day that his father was shot in that home accidentally she took the kids right back to that house that night to sleep and that stood out to him too because he's like who who does that right because i'm pretty sure the scene wasn't cleaned up no and then i'm thinking is that Corey's room yeah did you put oh oh god see i'm curious i think she did i think she put him right back in that room i think you're right probably with all of that which is i can't even um. So, life after the incident with Judy just kind of got more complicated and more. So things just got bad and weird with Judith. I can imagine. Okay. Corey started to withdraw more as he got older, and he didn't interact with any other kids or family members. That's such a red flag. But see, we know that. I know. Most people don't know that. No. But that is such a big red flag. He, he'll he tell you in the documentary that he wasn't allowed because Judith wouldn't allow, allow him. Right. But nobody else knew that. He, they just thought he was the weird kid. Right. Exactly. He was there to clean, make dinner, and appease her. Judith herself was a very weird person. She was very private. 
if someone knocked on the door, they had to pretend no one was home. And this, I was like, well, I mean, I've done that. (laughs) I've done that before. (laughs) But not for, like, people you knew. Maybe, like, a stranger. Like, you're like, I don't want to answer. Yeah, and the people that go around, like, giving flyers Mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. But she did it for pretty much everybody. I ain't gonna lie to you. (laughs) Tell us about yourself. If I ain't in a mood to deal with people... You just randomly show up and I don't know that you're coming. I ain't answering the door. All right. Fair. Um, she always thought the neighbors were spying on her, so she put cameras up to watch them. She slashed the neighbors' tires. She tried to poison one of their dogs because he barked a lot. Super paranoid. She isolated everybody, yeah. not just Corey. It was her and her child, which you never know her daughter's name, and Corey. So this woman's got issues. This was Corey's entire childhood until he was 18. At 18, Corey started reaching out to people just to see who, like, who, who knew his dad. Yeah. Like, he just wanted to know more about his dad. He met this lady, and I meant to get her name, and I completely forgot, but she took him in and made him part of her family. Right, okay. She knew his father, and she just pulled him in. She's like, he just needed love. Like, that's what she like tells you. Like, legit love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for the first time at 18, he gets to, like, be a kid. Oh, no. Okay. So, eight years and four months after Robert's death, he is coming up. um, In just a few months, he will graduate from high school, which I thought was weird with his 18, but maybe there was some stuff there because... Well, like, if... Well, he might have not done well, like, after the That's what I'm wondering, like, if there was some delay there. Or if he has a late birthday, like... That's true. So, as a senior senior project, they had to write something that was their biggest regret. Oh, no. And it made me stop and think, like, teachers need to be aware, like, what you're asking. Because <laughs> that could be a big ass for some kids. Yeah. So this, this was when Corey decided to just air it out. He finally put into words what happened to his dad was not the truth that everybody had been told for all these years. That he did not die the way everyone thinks he died. That it was all Judith. Turns that paper in. Teachers, I wish I could see AC pause and look at me. Um, <laughs> teachers call law enforcement. Officer Cliff reports out to the Paulding High School to interview Corey. Good job, teachers. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. This is something that needed to be reported, period. Yes, I have a tangent in here for that, too, by the way, in a minute. <laughs> You'll okay. see. Um, Corey tells law enforcement he killed his father intentionally at the request of Judy. There is audio for this, but it is so light that I don't want to try to play it for you guys. But he just states that Judy told him, I'll just tell you what I, what I have. A few weeks before his death, Judy pulled him aside to tell him his father had a brain tumor and that he was actually planning on having an accident with a gun so that the family would be well off from life insurance. On 11-3, she met him at a bus stop, his bus stop from school, and told him, today is the day you kill your dad. He says he remembers just looking at her until she physically, like, grabbed him by the back of the neck and turned him towards the house and, like, pushed him to go. Right. And he starts walking. She tells him the gun is in the laundry room waiting on him along with other items that he's to place around his dad. She mentions targets that were supposed to be put out. That's when I told you. I didn't notice it the first time in the documentary, but at this point when he's talking about it, it shows you the scene again, and it's literally under the pillow. Right. And when I'm telling you targets, it looks like the silhouette Yeah. that's, like, folded, like, four times and stuffed under there. Right. So that doesn't make any sense to me. He didn't know me. where to put it. He didn't. Um, he knew who was supposed to shoot his dad. Yep. 
He was told to wait a few minutes while her and her daughter went to her mother's house. She told him that as soon as it was done to call 911 and tell them that it was an accident. I have that audio as well, but AC said no. She did not want to hear that baby crying. I didn't. I didn't. Don't. Um, he went into his dad's room pulled up the gun and pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. He went to try to figure out what was going on with it. He thought it was broken. He went to the living room. He's freaking out. I'm sure for two reasons because one, he was still supposed to just kill his dad and it didn't work and Judy's going to be so mad. Right. So he goes back into the room to like finish what he was supposed to do thinking it's broken. There's nothing I can do. It's just not going to work. Pulls the trigger and it goes off. He tells you that he wasn't even, he didn't have the gun right. He wasn't prepared or anything because he didn't think it was going to go off. So it actually launched him across the room. It's a shotgun. He's 10. Right. And he's not braced. Mm-hmm. Um, Officer Cliff again tells you he failed Corey that day, that he did not see or hear the things he should have seen and heard that day. It was such a shock. It was. And that's, it's hard to be in law enforcement in a small town. Yeah, because you know Because you know everybody. Mm -hmm. And when they do something or when something like this happens, you don't want to believe that that child intentionally no. shot his daddy. No, it was a complete accident. That's what, you know, That's you want to wrap it up. It's weird, yep. but, you know, freak accidents happen all the time. Right, so it couldn't have been this intentional thing like what they thought. So in 2012, Officer Cliff states that the issue is now cooperating. I have cooperating. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> cooperating a 19-year-old story from when he was 10. Right. He states that they did not look at all the evidence well enough then, so they try to have to go back through it now. What we can learn about, they're trying to figure out what can we learn about Judith. Her last name's Hawkeye. What? It's Hawkeye, but I think it's Hockey is how you pronounce it. But to me, it's Hawkeye. It's literally Hawkeye. But we're going to call her Hockey just to not mess up Marvel. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it, but whatever. Yeah, I would pronounce that Hawkeye. <laughs> they I... start looking into her and people who knew her and Corey over the years. They corroborate that the destruction in Corey's life had carried over to other partners in Judith. So she's literally like whatever she touches turns to dust. Like she just is. I don't she's even, a plague. She's a plague. So they took this as a sign that what Corey was stating to them was true. They also noted that less than 12 hours after the shooting of Robert, she was at his place of employment asking for his life insurance policy. Oh, because that's not... I mean, Red I flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. Yes. As the investigation continued, they realized the amount of abuse he endured. So Corey started talking about all the things he had went through. Right. They wanted Judy... They wanted Corey to call Judith to see if she would say anything to incriminate herself. This call took place two years after leaving Judith Hawkey's house. This is the one we tried to play for you, but let me, it's hard because he speaks so quietly. So basically he calls her and he says, mom, can we talk? And she's like, okay. And he says, did I, did I do the right thing? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, did I end dad's life too soon? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, you told me he had a tumor. I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, should I talk to them? Should I tell them the truth? I don't know what the truth is. What, what do you mean? Right. And then he says, should I talk to like, like a doctor, like a psychologist? She's like, do whatever you want. And then like hangs up the phone. 
So that, as a mother, I found super weird. Because if my son or my daughter called me talking about, Mom, what do I do? She's crying. Like, I need help. Like, I'm not okay. Right. I'm not going to be like, whatever you want to do. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, man, get off the phone. I don't know what the truth is. That I found really compelling. Yes, because here's my thing. If you're trying to play it off, like, he accidentally killed his dad. Right. Then what? Why don't you know what the truth is? Right. Wouldn't the truth be, what are you talking about, son? You mean when you shot your dad? That was an accident. You didn't mean to do that. To me, that would be a normal mother response. Right. Like, son, if this is bothering you, you need to go. But like you, you, you didn't do this intentionally. Like, right. There was never your point was to. What do you mean did you do the right thing? Right. Like, uh, and if I didn't say anything about a tumor, what are you talking about a tumor? Like, right. I don't know what you're talking about, son. Like, right. you're confused, something like that. But she just literally blows him off. Right. She's just like, whatever, I don't care. So they call in Anna Salter. She's a clinical psychologist. She evaluated Corey. Um, she states that he was not forthcoming and really angry and afraid. Like, if he saw someone who looked like Judith, he would become upset. This is typical for people who are abused. I didn't know Yes. That. Well, yeah. it's a trigger. It makes sense, but I just, I guess I never realized it. That's the it. person who abused you. That's right. The, uh, years. This is years of abuse. This yes. is an isolated, she whooped your butt one time, like, real good. Right. Oh, and I'm going to get into all of that. Great. He says, she said that he was hypervigilant of the things that reminded him of his abuser. Corey explains that growing up, he thought all kids went through what he went through. He never thought to ask or say anything at school because he thought every kid had that at home. He just thought that's the way mothers were. But Judith always did this abuse outside of his father's view. Did he leave that dog in here? I'm sorry. Sidetrack, y'all. Sidetrack, yes. Okay. He describes being beaten. <laughs> we'll explain that all for, for all. He describes being beaten and... Let's see. I think we're gonna... We're, we need to pause. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we're back from our little break. We, we have moved to a quiet, dog-free location. Um, in which we will explain to you on Free For All Friday. Yep. Be sure to tune in. Picky. Do you want a Free For All Friday? Yes. Okay. Keep going. Um, anyway. So, I just had my spot. He describes being beaten, being made to eat and have feces smeared on him. Oh, no. Teachers talk about the sus- that they suspected that he was being abused due to him not dressing appropriately for the weather. Like, he'd have long sleeves in August, that type of thing. This is where my PSA comes to you. Um, If you are a teacher or really anybody and you suspect any kind of abuse, anybody can call in to in South Carolina. I'm assuming it's universal, but I don't know. So we're going to speak for South Carolina. You can call into um, the DSS hub. You can just Google that number. I think it's like 1-888-CARE-FOR-US. But make that report because I'd rather you make the report and it not be anything than not make it. And a child suffer the way that this poor child suffered. Because I will tell you that when people started getting on her tail and, like, stuff started being asked, and I think maybe some reports were made, she quit physically abusing him in the sense of beating him. She got a little sneakier, which is unfortunately sometimes what happens. So instead of punching him or beating him however she doesn't really explain she started burning and twisting his penis because in his words no one would look there 
He references a time oh. that when she had a butter knife to his penis, stating that he she was going to cut it off, and his dad came in. He said he thought, finally, like my dad is going to see her and see what she's doing to me, and this will be over. When his dad got in there, she said, look at him, Rob. He's trying to cut his penis off, and I stopped him. And he says his dad just went off. Well, yeah, because dad believes the wife. and Yeah. You know, and... Uh. So Miss Salter is reviewing these horrible home movies that apparently were only just of Corey and his, quote, temper tantrums. She describes the same thing that me and AC told you about. He picks up things. He drops them. He hits himself. She says that she believes that they were staged in the fact that she made Corey do these things, not so much that Corey had this fit that destroyed his room, but that she would destroy it and then, like, record Corey having to be cleaned up like and crying him clean it up because it's it's trash and he says in the documentary that she would make him like destroy the room and then yell at him to fix it so yeah um she said that she believed that he was doing that that judith was doing that for rob staging them for rob yeah which inferred but still well it, it <clears throat> This woman's obviously got issues, but it puts a wedge between Rod... Uh, his only person. His own... Mm-hmm. Corey his and his dad. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. Law enforcement states that they felt Judith was doing all of this as a way to get a hold and kind of brainwash Corey into obedience to her, how she wanted him to be exactly, which we see through abuse all the time. Right. Through her isolation and the severe abuse. Because she alienated him from the one person who could actually supported him which was his dad judith told Corey that there was a recording of the day that he shot his dad so that if he ever told anybody what happened she would show it and he would go to prison for the rest of his life oh law enforcement was law enforcement assessment was that Corey was not responsible for what he did that it was judith so on march 8 2013 she was arrested good it shows you a i could probably do the audio but i'll just tell you it shows like her interrogation and i don't know if you know anything about body language and stuff like that but usually if your arms are crossed legs are crossed it shows like a closed off type mm-hmm. thing they she's in there and she's sitting crossed her legs crossed and her arms back and they tell her that she's in there for what Corey is alleging which is abuse and when she hears that she goes oh and her posture relaxes and she's she, like that's it yes yeah. that's exactly how i took it yeah then towards the end when they tell her no you're going in for child endangerment and these abuse charges and insurance fraud and this other stuff it gets a little different yeah <laughs> so you get to meet clayton crates which is the attorney for miss hockey she denied all all allegations and claimed that she was innocent throughout this entire time Right. She never abused him. Right. She was charged with aggravated murder and several counts of endangering a child as well as insurance fraud. So the only issue with the child abuse allegations is that you're relying on a story that someone tells from like 10 years ago. And there's no physical evidence to back it up. There's no bruises. There's no marks. That is literally my next sentence. There are no, there there are not always visible marks. Yeah. Because psychological abuse all that stuff has and then she did physically abuse him but he was 10 right 
So their biggest, the prosecutor's biggest thing was making the jury see the 10-year-old Corey, not the the, 19-year-old at this point. It was a large case in Defiance (laughs) County. Corey went on the stand but was unable to even look at Judith to read his statement because he said he was scared, like even at 19. Right. Like he was, he was just scared. But his statement was effectively, you didn't, you didn't break me. You're finally getting what you deserve. And... I hope, you know, you rot in prison, essentially. Oh, okay. I was thinking a different word, but... No. <laughs> After his statement, she actually shot, um, like, stood up and turned around and said, quote, he shot his father purposefully and then made up this whole story. Like, as soon as he said his thing, popped up and said that. You're speaking out of turn, ma'am. Sit down. Right. The trial lasted seven days, and she was found guilty of aggravated murder, four counts of felony child endangering, and one count of insurance fraud. The judge at her sentencing called her, quote, evil beyond description, and sentenced her to life without parole. However. Oh, great. Here's March again. 2016, Judith appealed the court's decision. Her lawyer stated that he knew there were going to be appeals due to hearsay and other, quote, evidence that was admitted by the state that should not have been admitted. The prosecutor in this case states that it was a legal technicality that the appeal was based on. However, Judith entered a plea to a lesser charge of involuntary manslaughter and endangering children. She served 10 years and was released and returned to Deviance County. Where she is to this day, probably. Corey will tell you that no, Corey stated that she always told him that no matter where he was, she could find him and she would find him. So obviously when she was released, he feels like he's always having to look to see if she's somewhere close. He's actually went on to get married, has children of his own and is doing well despite what he has been through. Good. But I was upset because I feel like that was a light sentence. Extremely. And then my other question was, how does that work for insurance fraud? So if she's charged with the involuntary manslaughter, does that not negate the insurance? So therefore, if she sent that money, spent that money, would she not be liable to pay that back? Because she's not charged with insurance fraud now. I don't, I don't, I don't know how any of that works. Any of our lawyer friends that listen, yeah. if you want to tell me, because I'm curious, because <laughs> if that charge went away, but she still killed this person... Yeah. Could the insurance not come after her well, for... she didn't kill it. Involuntary manslaughter? I know, but... I'm I know, even though like, she didn't, she knew. But she facilitated it. Yeah. 100%. Like, she essentially put a, a, a 10-year-old little brainwashed, abused child up to killing somebody, which I don't... I, I'm not sure they make a jail for that. Yeah, but the fact that she's out and then back in the county that all this took place. I am curious, too, when I was doing this one, I, you know, we talked about people's privacies and stuff and not invading that. But I'm so curious, just for validation purposes, if anyone in that documentary had tried to reach her daughter and if she had ever experienced any of that side of Judith. Or if she ever just witnessed or witnessed it, her yeah. abusing Corey. Right. You know, because that seems to me when they were investigating this, these claims that Corey made that I guess ultimately were substantiated because she did get some of those yeah. charges. Um, could his I guess it would have been stepsister validate them? Like, did anybody talk to her? Because it never talks about it. It could be one of those situations where they did talk to her, but didn't name her. 
Potentially. Yeah, they sure. said that they talk in the documentary. It says they talked to several different people. I just wonder if I she wonder was, she one, was of one, one of the ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, why they would be, other than maybe she was abused too and they're trying to protect her. I wonder. So I have no idea. But yeah, that is the story of Judith Hockey and Corey Brenniger. Yes. And, I, you know, I hate that dad died. It's very, very sad. And I hate everything that Corey has gone through, but I'm so glad that he's okay. Yeah, and that he's went on. And he struggles every year around uh, the yeah, same time yeah, because, you know, he's, he's reminded of what he did. He did do it. He doesn't make any qualms about that um, in November. Every November is hard for him. But it's just, I don't know. Yeah, Anniversary dates can be extremely hard for people who have gone through trauma. Yeah. And I couldn't help but thinking, because he says he has a family and he's doing well, that the reason the family wasn't shown is because he leg- I, I believe him when he states that he has real fear and I don't think he wants her to know what anybody in his family looks like n- anything I think that's why his family was not on that I would agree I think he truly is scared I would agree so I, I think I would be too yeah uh, yeah especially if she's feeling vengeful and y'all if you want to watch this is it on this is on max but i will tell you like as a mama hearing that little baby cry yeah i can't do it made me so so angry like so very angry (laughs) so watch at your own yeah risk because it is i don't know my mama bear stuff's been like 10 lately wow Mine usually stays that way, too. So I'm usually pretty chill. But lately, I've been, like, at me. I've never been chill. So, and this, we're, we're starting to segue into a free-for-all, but... Yes. Um, We had a conversation last night, me and my SO, and he's like, you are so not chill. He, I was like, I bet I am so chill. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, but you have no idea what I was. Yeah. He was like, dear God... Like, you are welcome. Yeah. I am so late. If you knew me then to know me now, I'm so laid back. And he's like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Well, his his perception norm is a totally different norm than you. Yeah. Well, we talked about that last Friday. Yeah, he's so chill. We don't have the chill. No, we don't. We we make this so you guys can chill. I meant to tell you, well, it's a free-for-all thing. Never mind. You'll have to wait for Friday. All right. (laughs) Bye, coffee breakers. Good night.